Good evening, church. It's another Wednesday night. I hope you're doing well. hope that you are being safe and doing what the government asks us so we can get over this uh, pandemic. Another word, along with social distancing, I never want to hear again. Uh, hope you are being safe. Uh, I want to thank, again, Brother Galen for all his hard work, Stephanie for keeping things going, for uh, the deacons and their ministry. I want to thank the ladies in the uh, group that's sewing all the uh, masks. I, I think it's over 2,000 masks now, if I'm not mistaken. A wonderful thing, a ministry of the church. The other ministries are going on. And so I uh, wanted to start off with a, a song. Again, I'm not the song leader. We're just going to do our best. It's number 549 in our new Baptist hymnal. It's called Higher Ground. <clears throat> I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. The next song that I want to do uh, was my father-in-law's favorite song. It's in the Heavenly Highways hymnal number 91. It's, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes. If I can remember how it goes. O land of rest, for thee I sigh, when will the morning come? When I shall lay my armor by and dwell at peace at home. We'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes, and we'll be gathered home. To Jesus Christ I fled for rest, he bade me cease to roam, and lean on succor on his breast till he conducts me home. We'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work 
till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. I sought at once my Savior's side no more. My steps shall roam. With him I'll brave this chilling tide and reach my heavenly home. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes and we'll be gathered home. I have several scriptures to read uh, tonight. Um, I've entitled the message, After the Resurrection, What? Question mark. In other words, what, what comes after the resurrection? What are we supposed to do after the resurrection? We celebrated Easter. We celebrated the risen Lord. Um, I hope your heart is still full of some of that joy. But after the resurrection, what's supposed to happen? And I'm going to start with John chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. It said, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. When they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary... And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is translated teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Let's pray. Father, grant us your spirit of understanding, your Holy Spirit, to guide us in wisdom and your truth. And Father, just direct our paths tonight to understand what you're saying to us in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, A lot of times, uh, we as disciples, as students of the Word, can't figure out how in the world the disciples didn't get it. How they didn't understand that Jesus had told them repeatedly that he would be delivered into hands of the religious authorities and then crucified at the hands of the Gentiles. And then after three days he would rise from the dead. But you see, this was something that that would totally shock them. It totally surprised them. It was totally out of what we'd say their wheelhouse. They'd been taught all their lives how the Messiah would come and reestablish God's kingdom and and they would be great once again as a nation and they would usher in a new kingdom on all the world because he was God's son, God's anointed one. But they had not read the passages or understood the passages that it was going to be a suffering Messiah come to die for mankind's sin. You see, that resurrection wasn't the end of the story that first Sunday morning. Easter 
was a great success for God and His plan. And you see, I, even though churches across our nation couldn't meet together, Easter was still celebrated. People still gathered around and watched videos and, and live-streamed and, and celebrated Jesus. You see, but after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to His disciples and His followers and the apostles for over 40 days. And he used that time to establish them. And you see, from his example, we learn what's supposed to come after Easter. See, the time after Easter is for work. The time for after Easter is for us to share the good news. That Jesus is alive. That you can have forgiveness of sin if you'll trust in him and repent of your sins and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. So what do I see for after Easter? The first is out of these verses we read in John 20, 11 through 18. I see comforting, comforting. Notice under comforting the faithfulness of Mary Magdalene. There's faithful Mary Magdalene. I think that she with the other women had gone back and told the disciples. She's still unsettled, still doesn't know where Jesus is, still can't believe quite that there's a resurrection from the dead. And so she goes back to the tomb. And there she bends over and she sees the two angels and she's weeping. The two angels telling her, why are you weeping? Is it enough to stop her from weeping? You see, she turns and sees Jesus, and she doesn't recognize him. I don't know whether it was his glorified body or whether it was just too good to be true. She didn't recognize him, or maybe she'd cried so much, or vision was blurred, but she didn't recognize him. And she's weeping and grief and sorrowful, just sobbing, great sobs. But then he says, Mary. And it clicked the way he had always talked to her. Mary. Mary. And she starts gaining comfort. See, don't cling to me reflects the new relationship. He is Lord and Savior risen from the dead. And from Him we have great victory over death and sin and hell. And she is comforted. But the fact is that 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 8 tells us about that. The Apostle Paul says, For I delivered you first all that of which I received from Christ, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, that He was seen by Cephas or Peter, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain alive, but some has fallen asleep or died. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. See, Jesus appeared to all these folks to prove beyond any shadow of doubt for all time that he really did rise from the dead. But I think there was a secondary thing there too. Because their dreams had been crushed, because they had experienced so much pain at his death, this was a time for Jesus to bring comfort to him, to them. Their faith had not been misplaced. He really was alive. There really was going to be a kingdom established. And he was its head. 
see, people need comfort. A nine-year-old girl named Julie, and uh, she lost her best friend. Her best friend died of leukemia. And she was so upset, and finally she got up, and her mother fought her outside, and she walked across the street to Julie's house. She rang the doorbell. Her mother answered. They walked inside. They sat down. Julie's mom wondered, what would Julie say to this, this parent who had just lost her child? Julie didn't say a thing. She crawled up in her lap and cried with her and hugged her. See, sometimes we need comfort. Now, I want to say something that ought to be obvious to us. There's a difference between comfort and being comfortable. The Holy Spirit comforts us, but He doesn't ever intend for Christians to be comfortable. Do we understand that Jesus said in this world we'd have trials and tribulations, be good cheer, He's overcome the world? Doesn't mean we're not going to have trials. Doesn't mean we're not going to have testing and temptation. Doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to good people. It means that He's going to be with us. It's in that moment, the crucible of that moment, the pain of that moment that we grow. We're not to be comfortable. We're to be on fire for Jesus. There are a lot of people today that need comfort. With this pandemic just going on and on and on, a lot of people are lonely. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are sick. Many are grieving lost loved ones. And only Jesus can give the comfort that we need. Think about it. He gives us comfort by forgiving our sins. Some listening to me tonight don't know that comfort. You haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you need to do that tonight. And receive the comfort of being forgiven and rightly related to God by Jesus. Some need comfort because your life is just in a turmoil. You don't have any direction or purpose. And you're wondering, will you ever have direction? And Jesus can give you direction. He has a purpose for my life and for your life. Many in our day need peace from the circumstances of this terrible pandemic. Do we understand that only Jesus gives us that peace? He gives us that comfort. See, I said after the resurrection is a time for work. You say, well, how can we work, Brother Gary? We're, we're isolating. We're social distancing. We're, we're doing the things we're supposed to do. God took everything away from us, I believe, so we could focus on Him. The work that needs to be done right now is getting to know our Savior more, reading our Bibles more, praying more. What time do we have to pray and seek God? See, we're instructed to seek Him while He may be found. We're encouraged to draw near to Him and He'll draw near to us. We need to be crying out to God for our nation, for the church worldwide. We need to be making our prayer list heard for the lost folks around us, for those that are in our families, those that we work with, those that are our friends. Prayer is a time to work. It's also the time to draw comfort from God in the midst of this lonely, depressing situation. We need to get to work, Christians. Remember 2 Chronicles 7.14? If my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We need to be working. We have a chance now to know God maybe better than we ever have or to reignite that passion. We should come out of this pandemic energized for God, revved up, on fire for Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, we can have the comfort of a clean heart by the time this is over. You see, our world really needs the comfort of a risen Lord. And we should be sharing with folks, whether by phone or letter or card or email or texting, that we have a risen Savior. Do they know Him? But I don't just see comforting. I see churching. And when I say churching, I know that's not good English. I know that's not really a word. But by churching, I mean fellowshipping. You see, after the resurrection, Jesus fellowship with the disciples, with the 500, with, with those that followed him, the 120 in that upper room later. You see, there was a time of fellowship. And, and fellowship equaled joy and worship for them because he would appear to them and they had great joy. And, and he would teach them and he would eat with them and he would instruct them. And, and he would say, my peace goes with you. It was just a time to gather together as a group of believers. And I cannot wait when we can safely do that again. You see, knowing that you're praying for me, knowing that you give me cards and letters and phone calls and texts and encourage me is a wonderful thing. But it's not the same as seeing you and shaking your hand and hugging on you and just saying, rejoice. I hope when we come back together that we're going to have some kind of service. And I want you to think about it. Just praising God for what he's done for us during this pandemic. Praising Him for how He's calling our nation back to Him. He hasn't given up on us yet. Praying and praising Him for what He's doing worldwide. To bring a revival as never before across all the nations of the earth. Telling folks as we come back together what God has taught us during this time of isolation. Maybe a song he's laid on our heart we want to sing for him. Maybe a scripture that we want to share with others. But we need to be ready because there's coming a time when we can do church again. You see, sometimes we forget the main thing is depending on one another. We have so many things here in the United States we forget that. I was told the story of a Russian girl who finally obtained a visa came to the United States. They showed her all the sites, the family she was with. Uh, they showed her everything they had to do, the supermarkets, the stores, their, their toys, the beach, you know, the, all the things, the movie theaters, the hairdresser, just things that she didn't have in Russia. Her visa was up in three months, and they fully expected her to end the three months because they had wowed her so much that she would apply for asylum, and they were ready to take her to apply for it. The U.S. consulate. <clears throat> but they were amazed when she said she was ready to go home. When they asked her, why would you want to live there in Russia at that time under communism rather than here? She bowed her head and in a small voice she said these words. Here in North America, you have so many things. 
that demands your time. You have so many things that God has blessed you with, but you're wrapped up in those things. See, my people don't have things. We are poor, and I understand that we do without. But because we don't have those things, we have to depend on one another. And I want to go back where fellowship is so important that we can't do without one another. Folks, when we get to come back to church, don't you lay out. Don't you forget what God has done for all of us. You come back and fellowship. We need one another. The third thing that I see is communicating. Communicating. Yeah, communicating. You see, in the churching, God appeared Jesus appeared to the apostles and also to Thomas who wouldn't believe. And, and then in communicating, he appears to those on the road to Emmaus. And I think that you know that story. The two walk in the road. Jesus appears. It is the road to Emmaus. It's about a day's journey from Jerusalem. And Jesus meets these two disciples. He talks to them. And they're talking on the road. And he asks what they're talking about. And then he tells them some very important things. He says, you're foolish. Your hearts are slow to believe. And he opens up the scriptures and teaches them, beginning with Moses all the way through, all the things written about himself. The whole Bible testifies to Jesus. In other words, he gave them a crash course in what was coming, how to do church work. And he communicated with them. And he communicated with the others, spending his final days and his final words telling them what to expect and what to do. And we need to be communicating on how to do that. Mark Twain was sort of a scoundrel. I have some quotes by him that I really love, and this is one of them. He said, the difference between the right word, the exactly right word, and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. You see... After Easter, we need to communicate. And the right word is that we are all sinners, that we have to have Jesus to have any hope, and we need to accept him now, that he is a risen Lord and Savior. Those are the right words. So we have comforting, churching, communicating, and then there was challenging. In John 21, he challenges the apostle Peter. Uh, Jesus is on the shore. They go to the shore. They drag in the net. It says that in verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to him, and likewise the fish. They'd eaten bread and fish many times. This was the third time he showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, in verse 15, Jesus said to Simon, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And I don't know whether he pointed to the fishing equipment or to the other apostles. I don't know, but he said more than these things. He said, Lord, yes, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. He said it again. Second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, Lord, Yes, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my lambs. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because I said to him a third time, do you love me? Because Peter had denied him three times. 
He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he should glorify God. When he spoke it to him, he said, follow me. We know from church history, Peter died outside of Rome, hung upside down on a Roman cross because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified like his Savior. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. That would be the Apostle John. He would also lean on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is it that should betray you? And Peter, looking at him, said, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, if I will that he remain till he come, what is that to you? You follow me. So what's going on? He's challenging Peter. Challenging Peter that at all costs, you follow me. Challenging Peter and us. No matter what others are doing, you follow me. See, the purpose was to reestablish Peter, to say, I forgive you, but you've got to follow me. You've got to love me above all else, no matter what the cost. You're to feed my sheep, the other believers. You're to lead out in this group of the apostles. I reestablish you, but you've got to love me enough to follow me no matter what anybody else does. Don't be carried away by the crowd, Peter. Those same challenges are for us today. Maybe we're not persecuted yet in the United States where it could cost us our life. I think that day will come just for believing in Jesus. But our brethren that we need to be praying for around the world are persecuted even today in the midst of this pandemic, persecuted simply for calling on the name of Jesus Christ. And we should be praying for them. Our missionaries are in harm's way. We should be praying for them. Our military, our doctors, our nurses, our first responders, our police, our firemen need our prayers. But most of all, we need to pray for one another so that we would be faithful to follow Jesus and do what he asks. The final thing that I see is that we're, is there's commissioning here. You see... Jesus comforted us. He was churching with us. He was fellowshipping. He, he communicates with us. He challenges us, but he commissioned these folks. You see, he commissioned all of his followers to go and tell. That's, that's what happens in Matthew 28, beginning with verse 18, where, where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all men, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what? all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo I'm with you always even to the end of the world you see the time after Easter is to go to work to go to tell right now we're locked down that time will pass we need to ask what are we going to do after this are we going to be grateful enough to tell others to serve to get together and testify to praise our God in song and in word for a risen Savior. You see, I think Jesus will establish us and empower us if we do what he did after Easter. He did all these things. And we need to do them now. Contact some folks. Let them know you're praying for them. Contact those church members that maybe aren't in your Sunday school class that, that just, they managed to get here on Sunday morning so faithfully or Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And, and they need a... a 
a touch from you. Maybe somebody you know that's been visiting that needs a call from you to encourage them. But after Easter, it's time to go to work, church. So be praying about the work that God's calling you to do as soon as this ban or this pandemic is lifted and we're able to fellowship among each other again and go out of these walls to reach our world for Christ. But remember, what you can do right now, you can call, write letters, and most of all, you can pray for God's power to be displayed to call men and women, boys and girls to himself across our world, including the United States, as this comes to a close, hopefully, in the next month or so. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you challenge us and how you challenge me. Let us be faithful to you. Let us obey you. Let us follow Jesus' example. Again, continue to protect those that we love and, and our church families. And, and Father, we just thank you for all you're doing in our midst, Lord. Even in the midst of this pandemic, you be glorified. Father, you allowed this to come to call us back to you. Let us answer your call as a nation, as a world. Let Christians stand up and be heard. In Christ's name, amen. We'll see you next time, church. Bye.